All right, welcome in to the Ari Marov NFL show. We are one week away from the start of the 2022 NFL season. Seven more days. It's basically here. Bills, Rams. And joining me here today, he is my good friend, an NFL newsbreaker extraordinaire. That's what I'm going to call him from now on. It is Jordan Schultz. Jordan, one week to go. How are you feeling right now? I'm ready to go, big dog. <laughs> I'll wait for Rams, Bills. It's so fun. Monday Night Football, Seattle uh, hosting Russell Wilson for the first time. That's going to be crazy. All my friends are going to that game back home. They said it's already – the buzz is already building, so I'm doing well. How about you, bro? Man, I'm doing well. I got to tell you, man, the NFL schedule makers, they they literally nailed everything this year. You have, like, the perfect matchup to start the year. You have the perfect matchup to end week one. There's no better time to put Seahawks-Broncos than week one when – Everyone thinks Seattle won't be great this year. If that's the case, you might as well stick it in week one where they're 0 and 0 and let's see Russell Wilson return right away in week one. And by the way, we actually did a um, Twitter spaces last night for people who were on there. I hopped on for about 10 minutes before I did my first of two fantasy drafts, which by the way went really well. Um, but we talked a little bit about the last week in the NFL, which has been a bit crazy. And I think you would agree is probably the toughest week of the year for. Basically everybody, whether it's coaches, executives, the agents, and obviously the players and their families. Let me just ask you off the bat, any major takeaways from you, from all the people you've spoken to about this last week? Anything surprised you? Anything crazy about what, what happened over those last few days? Uh, I think it's always – it is a really tough week. And uh, I think it's always surprising when you see second, third-round picks, um, fourth-round picks – get released, especially when they're in their, you know, second or third year. Um, we obviously saw Kellen Mond get released, Trey Sermon, some guys that uh, still could end up being good players, but who uh, were brought in uh, to play right away and, and did it, and now they'll, they'll have their, their new opportunities. But I think it's, it's that that's always surprising to me. You know, when, when you see guys that are established veterans that, um, are let's say 28 to 32 and they get released they're instantly picked up from a practice squad that's not surprising because you expect that but as we said last night all right there's always going to be a younger cheaper alternative and if you don't perform even as a mid-round high pick um, it's very very tough to stick so uh, it's a very tough week in general I hate seeing guys get cut and especially when you've had a really good camp Sometimes, you know, in a case, I'll give you an example of, you know, Marvin Wilson in Philly. They really wanted to keep him on the 53, but their defensive line is loaded. He ends up on their practice squad. But, you know, he probably belongs on a 53. But in that situation, wasn't going to happen. So it's uh, I'm glad the week is, is almost over. We get to, 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 to football. No, absolutely. I honestly don't remember the last time we had so many recent draft picks just get let go. We're talking about the Kyle ones. Obviously, I think the the headliner was Alex Leatherwood in Las Vegas, and I think we'll probably talk about him later on here in the show. But you mentioned Sermon, Kellen Mond. Vikings released three 2021 third-round picks last week. I know it was a different regime, but like one year in, three third-round picks all gone after a year. It's odd to see that, and what like I told you last night when we did that space is, the good agents in the NFL tell their clients as soon as they get drafted, congratulations, you're in the NFL. You're signing a four-year contract. It does not mean you're going to be there in four years. These GMs, these coaches, if you're not performing, 
I don't remember the last time we've seen them just give up on them after a year and say, adios, we'll get somebody else in here and we'll try to find someone else who will perform right away for us. So 21 years old, 22 years old, getting into the league and right away, boom, you are moving on to a different team, different city, new coaches. And um, basically you are now officially know that this is essentially a business and it's not a game anymore. So um, it's been a crazy week, absolutely all around. And speaking of the NFL business, Jordan, we had a gigantic quarterback contract go down this morning, Thursday morning in Denver, Russell Wilson, five years, $245 million over 160 of it is guaranteed. It comes out to $49 million per year in new money, which is the second most, behind Aaron Rodgers. Um, he had two years left on his contract. Now he's under contract for seven years until his age 40 season. Your initial reaction when this goes down was what? Let's ride. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think we all knew that Denver was going to extend Russell Wilson. We knew it was going to be for a huge number or a record breaking number. What we didn't know was, was it going to be before this season was it going to be after, during? We just weren't sure about the timeline. But I think it speaks to how comfortable they are with him and what they view him as, which is he is now the face of our franchise for the better part of the next decade. And we can build around him in a way that we haven't been able to do from a quarterback standpoint, really since John Elway. You think about all the quarterbacks they've had there uh, that have not had success. So I'm really happy for Russell. I think he also is someone that, wants to be a mobile, you know, potentially owning his own NFL team at one point, this will certainly put him in a position to do so. I think he's going to have a massive year, too, and really a great tenure in Denver. I, I just look from a – what does it mean this season? It probably doesn't mean anything. But if you look at what the Broncos are offensively, Nathaniel Hackett coming over, he was the co-play caller over the last three years with Matt LaFleur and Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. And now he has Russell Wilson – who has a similar skill set in terms of his ability to move the pocket, probably throws the best deep ball in the league, even better than Aaron. And he has two great receivers, young receivers in Sutton and Judy. They have two great backs. Um, the offensive line isn't great, but it's better than what he had in Seattle. So overall, this is a big win for Denver. It is a big win. And you look around that organization and what they've done over the last few years. You're talking about a new GM in George Payton who – I'm sure you've heard a lot of this, um, Jordan. This is a guy who teams have been wanting to get for so many years when he was in Minnesota. And he basically declined a lot of interviews. Like, you know, I'm going to stay here, keep on learning all the ins and outs of this business. Eventually takes this job in Denver where he gets a six-year deal, gets full control of everything, hires his own coach this year, Nathaniel Hackett, who you just talked about. And they have new ownership now with the easily the richest owners in football with um, the Penner and Walton Group. And the thing that I found interesting about this is that the contract that he got, and you looked around the NFL after what Deshaun Watson got, he did not try to aim to get something similar to that. He did the regular structure that most quarterbacks have done over the last how many years it's been for, for forever, basically. He didn't want to do what Deshaun Watson did, even though he had so much leverage where they gave up two first-round picks, they gave up three players, they gave up even more draft picks. They had to extend him. They have the richest owners who could give him all the money in the world. He was like, you know what? I'll do a regular deal, be locked in for the next seven years. Did that surprise you by any chance? Um, I wasn't that surprised, sorry, just because Russell Wilson, I think, is looking at this from a trajectory of you know defining a legacy and understanding that 
if he wins multiple Super Bowls, you know, he'll elevate himself into his own category, uh, similar to a Tom Brady. And, you know, one of the things that Brady has always done is consistently taking a deal that works for not only him, but the organization. Uh, and I think another guy that, you know, did that or has done that um, now is Russell Wilson in terms of I'm going to think big picture, what I want to accomplish, not only on the field, but what do I want this career while I have it to set me up for? And obviously, financially, he's already in a terrific place. Ciara, his wife, is in a terrific place. They're both becoming moguls that extend far beyond their set category. You know, I think this is a perfect um, structure for Russell Wilson in terms of what he wants to accomplish long term. It goes way beyond just football. Yeah, it's a great deal for the team. The thing here is that as soon as this deal happened, and the same thing happened when Kyler's deal got done, everyone brings up Lamar Jackson. And I actually put out a tweet this morning because everyone thinks this is great for him. And it is because the market keeps on going up. The thing is, it sounds like Lamar Jackson wants a fully guaranteed deal like Deshaun Watson. So I wrote this this morning. If Lamar wants a fully guaranteed contract with Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray not coming close to doing the same thing did not help him. So I would imagine Baltimore's front office is hammering that home now in these negotiations with him because Watson's deal has clearly become an outlier for other teams around the league. Do you believe that has essentially happened here where these two deals deals get done and now Lamar and these negotiations with Baltimore, they have about 10 days left until his own deadline was set. Do you think they're going to make it clear to him like, hey, we know you want Deshaun Watson money, but these other quarterback deals are getting done and they're all the the traditional type of deals for these quarterbacks. Have you considered that maybe doesn't necessarily make a difference though? Like one way or the other, do Baltimore is going to do what, like, I, I still think Baltimore is going to take care of him and make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league. The difference right. with Lamar is that he's 25. Russell's 33. Um, he, they asked him and wanted him to put on some weight and become more durable. He did that. He put on 20 pounds of muscle. And I think at the end of the day, John Harbaugh is all in on Lamar. And the whole organization, the way they built it, specifically the offense, is around his skill set. So I know what you're saying. I just don't know if it impacts it one way or the other, even if Russell's was more player-friendly. Yeah, this is the thing for me. And I, I guess because I think the Lamar talks are now becoming more of a national story. This has been ongoing for months already, right? And these are negotiations, doesn't have an agent. He's doing it on his own. And he put out these tweets throughout this week, which kind of let us know exactly where his head is at. Basically, where he was, um, somebody tweeted at him that. Lamar should get $250 million guaranteed. Um, This guy responded, he wants more. They already offered that. And his response was, no, they didn't. They actually did not offer that. And then this other fan was like, I know you want a fully guaranteed contract, but it's just bad business. It's a a terrible thing that should not be done, what the Browns did. And then this guy responded, you actually don't love Lamar. Don't say you love Lamar if you don't know, if you don't think that I should be getting a fully guaranteed contract. So I kind of think that he's looking for a fully guaranteed contract. And the Ravens are like, no, we're not going to do that because that's bad business. And because this Russell Wilson deal happened today, where it's still the traditional type of quarterback contract, not like Watson, they're going to go back to him these next few days and say, you know what, this is what we're offering you, take it or leave it. So it, with that in mind, do you think that he'll say no and that he'll play out the season, play out the contract? 
He's already done it once. And this is the thing about it. Last year when he did it, he was only supposed to make like two, three million dollars, which was a major risk to do. This year, he's already making 23 million on his fifth year option. That's a lot of money for him in terms of playing. He's never made that much. So he has that type of a security for this year, but he's going to be letting go of potentially, I don't know, 150, 175 fully guaranteed in his next deal with Baltimore while he's waiting to get that massive fully guaranteed deal, which I don't think they're going to offer. I wonder if there's a happy medium, you know, because he he essentially wants Deshaun Watson money plus one, plus a dollar. Yeah, yeah. this you know? is the, the, this is the thing. I, I mean, I don't think anybody's ever played this video. Eric DaCosta, their GM, went on Thomas Dimitrov's podcast. Uh, about a few months ago right, and he was basically uh, yeah he was basically asked about how he handles negotiations and how he does stuff this is what he said i don't think anybody has ever played it and i think it plays a major role in how this lamar stuff is going on let's play it over here i always say when we talk to people and it might be when i talk to a player or an agent or a scout mm -hmm. uh or whoever it might be the Ravens are going to win this. We're going to, we have to win. Okay. So that means we're going to win the negotiation. That means if we trade a player, we need to win the trade. If I'm going to negotiate with somebody, if, if we're going to let somebody leave, if we're going to, we want to win because that's what our owner wants. Mm -hmm. We want to be winning. We want to win at everything we do. So, uh, I love, I love making trades. I want the trades to be fair. I want to keep relationships with people. You and I have done some trades. There was only one you that know? was a really good draw. It was Hayden Hurst yeah, that we did but, last but year. We, that was a good we, draw, we guys. Want, and we want to be yes, fair with everybody. Uh, when we do a deal uh, with an agent, we want it to be a fair deal. We want, to, we want to give and take because we want the player to be happy. We never want to win in such a way that the player is unhappy uh, was what happened. Or the agent is upset with us for how we handle the negotiations. In saying that, uh, we, we think, and I believe this, incrementally we always want to win in a transaction. And so we analyze everything we do in every decision, and we've got a really good people that work with me that will advise me, uh, whether it's George Cocinas or Joe Hortiz or Pat Moriarty or Ozzy, who's basically the best, and Nick Matteo or whoever, someone in analytics, Dave McDonald, Sarah Malay Palais. They will give us advice, give me advice, I'll listen to it, and I'll say, how can we win? It doesn't have to be a huge win, yes, but we're trying to win every single transaction, every single deal we negotiate, whatever that might be. And we believe if we do that over time, then we'll come out ahead. All right, so he basically said we we have to win every transaction. Okay, we got to do it. When we're negotiating with an agent, we got to win. We do a trade, we got to win. Giving a fully guaranteed contract essentially would be a loss for them. And he mentioned, he mentioned that we're going to do whatever our owner wants and whatever is best for our owner. Remember when Watson got his fully guaranteed deal? Only one owner came out and said that contract is a bad contract. It was Stephen Bashotti, the Ravens owner, who said, I don't know that he should have been the first guy to get a fully guaranteed contract. They're not going to do it, Jordan. They're not going to go fully guaranteed on him. And I think he's stuck that he wants to get fully guaranteed because if Watson got it with all these allegations, with all this stuff going on, I'm a unanimous MVP. I've done so much for this organization. I've won a playoff game. I'm a runner. I have proved myself as a passer as well. I should be getting that type of a contract. If they do it, they're essentially losing the negotiation. I don't think they're going to go there. Well, that's, yeah, okay, that's fair. I think I, I think the the benefit to having an agent is this is a perfect example of why you want an agent if you're Lamar. Mm -hmm. The agent is able to be the buffer from the team, and right now Lamar is hearing everything that he doesn't do. He's not a classic pocket passer. He's not accurate enough. He hasn't won in the playoffs. All the things that they would be saying to the agent. They're now telling him because he's acting as his own agent. So he's in that building every day learning about here's how, here's where we're not at. 
here's why, and here's where we're not going to get to because of the player that you are not. That he does, yeah, he doesn't have that guy in his ear. It's it's it's. Listen, I, I'm not like waiting until this year has worked for him because there's been a bunch of other quarterback contracts that happened. So he already won in that standpoint. But he doesn't have that person in his ear who could first of all just do the negotiating for him instead of himself and his mother and his advisors or whatever. But he doesn't have that person where basically even like going on Twitter and responding to these people, it's not something you should be doing right now at this point in time. An agent would tell you not to do that. When a team does negotiations, there are some stuff that they don't want the player to hear. But whenever you're negotiating with the player, you, it's impossible to do this stuff. You know what I mean? So they're basically stuck in that point right now. And when he's stuck that he wants a fully guaranteed deal and he's not moving off of it, it's going to be problematic. And I don't think Baltimore is going to move. And he set a deadline for September 11, which is their first game. Baltimore historically is okay with negotiating in season, right? They did a deal for Marlon Humphrey, they did it for Ronnie Stanley, Mark Andrews. That all happened during the season. He's like, I'm not talking during the season. This is over September 11th. If not, we're going to next year. We're doing the franchise tag, which will be upwards close to $40 million. So that might be his plan because once it gets to franchise tags, Jordan, you know this very well, the leverage eventually shifts over to the player because he's one step closer to free agency. So that might be his plan. Yeah, and so so with that in mind, think about where he's coming from. I'm 25. I'm a former unanimous unanimous MVP. Um, we're going to have a good team. We're going to contend. And on top of that, if I play this thing out and I play as well as I know I can and go to the franchise tag, the whole organization has already built their roster and personnel decisions off of me and my skill set. So I know that. So if I like players betting on themselves, especially when you're a player of that caliber, um, I think in the football, you always want to have that guaranteed money up front. And for him not to have it long-term is a little scary. You know, let's say if he were to get hurt. But um, I, I do kind of like the fact, this is probably a disagreement for you, but I like the fact to a degree that he's going to say, I don't even want to have these conversations during the season if we don't get the deal I want by September 11th, we're shutting it down and I'll probably get tagged for 38, 39 million a year. Deadline spur action. I think that's what he's trying to do over here. We have a deadline here. If you don't meet, at least come close to where I want to be. It's over and we're done. We've seen this happen before of quarterbacks. Russell Wilson did it in Seattle, I remember. I think he said like a May 31st deadline, which was like a super early one. A deal still got done that night. So it could happen the night before. What do you want to say there? Oh uh, yeah, what I was going to say is the difference you asked me earlier. Are you surprised by Russell Wilson? The answer is no, because he's already Russell Wilson's probably already a Hall of Famer. He's already made quarter a quarter billion dollars. He's going to make another. He's going to be at half a billion in career earnings. He's already he wants to be a mogul, but he's already established himself and he's already gotten paid. You know, Mahomes, his deal you could say was also pretty team friendly. Very um, team friendly. So so when I look at Lamar, you know, he hasn't made that money yet. Uh, he he just he's not even in that vicinity. You mentioned he's twenty three million this this year. That's still low on the quarterback. Um, you know that he's making less than Jimmy Garoppolo was before he restructured his deal. So yeah, that's a big increase. But I think he's looking at it like if I play the way I know I can, and I've always overcome the odds, even going back to high school and teams recruiting him as a wide receiver, I can get this this massive payday when I um, in a year or two. Again, the only risk that he's taking is the idea of 
God forbid his his play just falls down or he gets an injury, which he had last year, which makes the Baltimore start being concerned, especially I know Ravens fans hate to hear this, but the way he plays, anything could happen at any time. And I know that he's done a pretty good job up until now through four years. But again, it could happen at any point with a player who is always running around and moving around. I think he just has to keep that in mind over these next 10 days. One more thing here on Lamar. Yesterday, after all the madness happened with all the cuts and then practice squad signings, I put out a tweet about the best available for agents as week one comes closer. Lamar actually liked that tweet. I'm going to put it up over here. Who do you think Who do you think he's looking at on this list? Here, uh, um, This is not it. One second. There it is. This is the list. Well, I, the first name I saw was Odell Beckham. We got Odell, Eric Fisher, Will Fuller, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders, T.Y. Hilton. And on the bottom, bottom, we got Antonio Brown, who's like his very good friend there. Yeah. Where, where do you think he's looking at over here? Uh, well, it's got to be a receiver. I, I go I go with with Antonio Brown. You think it could be Antonio Brown? I, I, or, or, or Odell Beckham. It's got to be one of those guys. I thought Will Fuller would make a lot of sense in Baltimore with his type of play. I don't know what's going on with him. I know he had a finger injury last year and missed most of the year, but I think he's looking at his receiver group and might be looking. We, we need to add one more name there. I, I, don't, I agree because because uh, I don't – is Prochet not healthy, right? Prochet, I believe – I don't I don't think he has anything that is significant, but regardless, he's been there a couple of years and hasn't proven to be a guy. Neither wow. has Duvernay, so it's like Bayman, Andrews, and Likely. Yeah, but but the the rookie out of Coastal, my guy is Ain't Likely. He's a tight end though. It's like I mean, he he essentially is a wide receiver. I mean, the way yeah. he's built, but yeah. he's a, he's gonna be a problem too. No, I they I think they do need another wide receiver. Yeah, I think he's looking at that list, and I think he wants him to add another receiver as well. We'll see if they do anything here as the season rolls close. I'm telling you right now, if no deal gets done, Jordan. This Lamar Jackson contract is going to be talked about every single day throughout the season into the offseason like Dak Prescott was in Dallas. Remember that? This yeah, thing is going to be like that. It's going to be a conversation throughout yeah. the season, especially because he doesn't have an agent and especially because it's his fifth and final year of his rookie contract and he's been eligible for over two years now. Well, it's not going to be fun if you're a Ravens fan. It's that. not. It's going to be a distraction. I'm telling you it's going to become a distraction if it doesn't get done. All right, let me shift over to something here that you've been on top of literally throughout these last couple of days. Let me go over to Philadelphia where Harry Roseman is once again moving and shaking and making a lot of moves. Trades for Shanti Gardner-Johnson in New Orleans and then flips away Jalen Rager to Minnesota, which you were very much on top of throughout yesterday when you broke it. Um where do you want to go with this? What do you think about what Philadelphia has done over these last couple of days? I was just, it's so impressed, you know? I mean, Howie, he's, I wonder if Howie has like, it's like the Howie bat line and, and he, it's just always open for business. He's 7-Eleven, man. The guy's phone, he will listen to any trade. He's relentless, man. It's 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 unreal. He is relentless when he tries to get players and when he wants to move players. It's unreal what he's been able to do since the Carson Wentz sure. mess. When yeah. everyone thought they were done. The Doug Peterson firing, everyone was like, they're done. To get to this point and what he's done, it's incredible, Jordan. It is incredible. And let's start with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who's, who's the best nickel in the league. And it's just an absolute, perfectly conditioned type of player for the Eagles defense. He, he's aggressive. He's physical, not afraid to make mistakes. 
Um, he's a perfect combo for, they already have Slay and Bradbury there. Perfect combo. Um, and then, you know, he still has a year left on his deal. We'll, we'll see if they end up extending it. But even if they don't extend him, this next year, they're clearly going for it all. They're going for it this year, understanding, like, look what the Rams did last season. They went all in, and they made a ton of moves. They were aggressive. They paid off. They won the Super Bowl. I think that's a perfect template um, for, for them. And, and they clearly, you know, it's different. You know, they had a young quarterback that didn't bring in Stafford. But they're going for it, which is the right move, especially when you believe you can, you can win. Um, and then to go out and trade Jalen Rager the next day um, is not surprising because obviously he has not performed the way they hoped when they took him a pick ahead of Jefferson uh, two years ago. Nevertheless, the fact that they're able to say it didn't work out, uh, we, we know it didn't work out. Uh, he's able to remove draft capital, potentially getting a fourth round pick, which is very valuable in two years. It's just great. It's great. And I'm, I hope it works out for Rager in Minnesota. He'll be their fourth wide receiver. They'll use him in special teams. He'll be a good punt return guy. But I think just as a general rule, you know, the fact that the, the, the business is never closed, right? You always want to be open. And I, I'm, if I'm an Eagles fan, I'm ecstatic. Not to mention the fact we got into Kobe Dean and Jordan Davis with our first two picks alone in the NFL draft. Those are day one guys, our day one contributors. So I'm fired up. He was actually their third pick, which makes it even more insane. He was um, third pick. They had Cameron Jurgens, the center, their future center, after Jason Kelsey likely retires. Is a 2.0 version of him, which is a great pick. Not to mention, well, getting AJ Brown. I mean, it's unbelievable. When you look at the complaints that Eagles fans had this offseason, right? It was, we don't have a, a veteran receiver, how he missed out on it. Boom, draft. Now we get AJ Brown. After the draft, no cornerback number two in the draft, James Bradley comes comes in. No linebacker. They signed Kazir White and they obviously get into Kobe Dean. And, and the big one, yeah. And then the big one was that. Obviously, this past week, we're like, oh, we like Marcus S., but the safety room, man, needs some help. All of us, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson comes in. And the other thing about Howie, I'll just say this. He played, I don't know if you saw this, he played a great poker face the day before this trade happened because he spoke to the media. He was asked about Jalen Rager, and this is what he said. And this makes me laugh because he just said it so straight out. And it Yeah, I think when you look at Jalen, um, one of the things that one of our scouts said to me today was um, he's one of the only guys to practice every day. I mean, the, the guy brought it every day. Um, he worked on his craft. He had a great attitude, great energy. Um, obviously, he's a talented guy. He's 23 years old. And... Um, you know, we're, we're going to do whatever we think is in the best interest of the team. And um, we felt like there's no doubt in our mind that um, he deserved a role in this team. You know what's so funny about that is that he obviously knew yeah. that this deal has been being orchestrated over the last week or so. Forget yeah. they were talking to the Packers and trying to trade him before the draft. This deal has been in the mix for about a week, a little less than a week. So he already knew that deal was very likely going to get done. Great attitude, great energy. Just It's so funny that he did that. It's amazing. Like uh, Under 24 hours before the trade officially happened, yeah. just says all the right things, says it with a straight yeah. face, and then yeah. boom, the trade, the trade happens yesterday. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really impressed with what they've done throughout this offseason. One more question on the Eagles quickly. The Cowboys feel like they're taking a bit of a step back with all their moves this offseason. Eagles are taking a step forward. However, Philadelphia last year made the playoffs. Their last seven wins of the year when they went on their run were against really, really bad teams. I think they've done a lot this offseason. Right now, going into the year, Dallas or Philadelphia? Where are you at? For sure. All the way. All the way. You're on Philly. No hesitation there. I just, Dallas, I mean, the, they're already, the line was already not going to be as good. Then they lose Tyron Smith. 
um, which really hurt. I mean, not bringing back Collins hurts. Um, yeah, I, I just – I am out on Dallas. I'm not saying they're not going to win games. They'll win games. But, you know, the the wide receiver room is – is, like, I didn't really understand bringing back Gallup. He's kind of always just been very hit or miss as a number two or number three guy. Um, I do like Jalen Tolbert. I know they like him a lot, the rookie out of South Alabama. But um, it's just a weird – it's just an odd team. I, I defensively, you know, they – I think they'll be pretty decent, but there's nothing about that team, even Dak, where you're like, I'm, the upside here is so high. I think there's a decent floor there, you know, 9, 10, 11, maybe 11 wins, 9, 10 wins. I think there's potential for this to become a distraction when the season starts because their first two games is Tampa Bay on Sunday night and then Cincinnati, two very tough games. Mike McCarthy's name has been all over the place this offseason. You know Sean Payton is there on Fox, but everyone knows he's coming back next year. If they start 0-2, the discussions that are going to be on TV about McCarthy's job and then Sean Payton possibly replacing him will be all over the place. So I think people should be keeping an eye on that as soon as the season starts if they start off with a loss. I really believe it's going to be a talking point right away as soon as it happens if they start off with a loss. Well, Mike McCarthy's worth a good two, three losses a year. You know, he's going to lose three games a year. I, well, yeah. Whatever the case is, I know it's going to become a discussion. It just will if they start off slow. So I would definitely be keeping an eye on that. But what Philadelphia has done this offseason compared to Dallas, where you're losing Gregory, you're losing Cooper. Um, obviously, now Tyron Smith is not there. He really did not do much to address the offensive line. Their first-round pick has been playing more at guard. I know they're bringing in Jason Peters, who's 40 years old, but actually played – pretty well last year we'll see if that deal gets done but that division i believe it's 18 straight years has had a new division winner no one has gone back to back in 18 years dallas won it last year if they don't win it again this year that streak will continue let me quickly hit on a couple of raiders things before i wrap this up darren waller i've said this for two years now the most underpaid player in the nfl made an agent switch to drew rosenhaus who is notoriously notoriously someone who just finds a way to get deals done well you, you know why he does that he, he gets deals done because he's want to deal with them because he's gonna get a deal done yeah i mean i i you do you i know you've reported about this do you think this is something that finally gets done in yeah. these next 10 days i i do yeah yeah i mean he's he's just you know 17th high and whether you like Drew or not uh, is immaterial. He gets guys, he, he gets deals done, and guys like him because of that. So when I look at Darren Waller as, you know, one of the best three to four to five tight ends in the league, he's 29 years old. He's been a consistently a, a great player for really three years, and they need to pay him, and they know it. And so to me, he's, got, he's also got no guaranteed money. I, Zero. I, I, there's no Zero. scenario where he doesn't get paid within the next 10 days. I think that entire situation has been so underreported because Waller has been saying all the right things in the media. Like, yeah, yeah, my agent will take care of it. But behind the scenes, it sounds like those negotiations have been really tough. And this is now his third agent in a matter of years. Um, you mentioned it. Rosenhaus has just found ways just to get deals done. It might be a bit of a different type of a structure, not something people would want to see uh, or players want to see or whatever it is. But I think that is something that because, A, that he's practicing again. He wasn't practicing for a few weeks because of an injury. So um, the fact that he's practicing again is a good sign. And the fact that he made this agent switch, um, I think is something that should possibly lead to an extension, which will make him one of the highest paid tight ends in the NFL. Last thing here, we mentioned this in the beginning, Alex Leatherwood was by far 
Um, one of the more surprising cuts because it was just one year in after being the 17th overall pick and he had a fully guaranteed contract. They let it go. The Bears claim him. Overall, with the Raiders draft history, when you see this, where you have Alex Leatherwood cut, Henry Ruggs, obviously a little bit of a different situation, but he was cut. Darren Arnett is cut. And then three first-round picks in 2019, Farrell, Jacobs, and Abram, all of them get their fifth-year decline. What do you say about that? Like, I, I don't even know what the reaction is when you see that. Uh, just absolute ineptitude on every level, uh, specifically with Mike Mayock and John Gruden. Horrendous talent evaluators. And not only that, bad fits. Um, you know, if you, it was so ironic earlier. We talk about that word culture and Raiders wanting to reestablish it under Mike Mayock. He talked about it all the time. They, they, their, their actions were the, the, the opposite of that. Um, I, I'm, I'm specifically talking about Damon Arnett. Um, I, the rug scenario is so unfortunate, but um, obviously terribly terrible and so sad. They missed on so many opportunities. I mean, it's why they don't have jobs. I mean, we know why Gruden doesn't have a job, but it's why Mayock was, didn't last. You, know, just, you, you, just, you cannot miss on first and second round picks like that. And it's really interesting to me that they cut Leatherwood because I, thought, I actually thought he might, might have gotten traded. He only was claimed by one team, I believe it was the Bears. So, yeah. uh, really, really unfortunate. And uh, ironically, still... The roster is in really good shape right now. and That's the crazy I, part. That's the crazy part about it. The team. So, you know, we'll see. It, it is amazing because when you look at that team, it's very top-loaded when it comes to talent-wise, but it's, like, legit really good talent. The one thing I want to ask you about that, that tweet that I put out with all these players, who is supposed to be getting the blame for that? Is it Gruden? Is in Mayock because a lot of people truly believe that Gruden was the guy who was yeah. riding the ship there, and Mayock was basically there, but he's basically just doing whatever Gruden says. Well, it's on both of them, and and it is true Gruden played a big role in drafting, but it's on both of them in the sense that you, if you're John, if you're Mike Mayock, your job is is to is to actually listen. You how how do I say this? If you're Mike Mayock, it's not only your job to hire a good head coach. But you're the GM for a reason. So, yeah, it's good to delegate, and it's great to have smart people around you. But you also need to understand – I'll go back to that great scene in Moneyball with Billy Bean where he's talking to all the scouts, and he's like, no, 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 here's how it's going to be. I don't think Mayock ever did that. And, and clearly Gruden has had a lot of success um, as a head coach, has won a Super Bowl. But bottom line is I think I've said this, I've said this for a while. I think the game passed him by, and specifically – his inability to evaluate talent and then also to tell your GM, like, here's how it's going to be that the beginning of the end as a GM, it's great to have your coach and have a relationship, but you, you're still a top dog and that needs to be set. Yeah. Cause the thing over here is that when Gruden was hired, he was with Reggie McKenzie. He fired Reggie McKenzie, brought in Mike Mayock from TV. And a lot of people just believe that Gruden was still making all the calls here, which is that Gruden um, Mayock has the GM title, but eventually it was all Gruden making the final decisions. And eventually, I think you, this. Uh, let's end off with this thing. Did you, I'm sure you saw the Dana White Tom Brady thing where he I basically knew, said Gruden nixed it. I I knew I knew about that a year ago. Um, basically, yeah. I mean, it's it's unfortunate. I never I couldn't report it, but yes. And, and it is true, and that's a perfect indictment on John Gruden and Mike Mayock. That's all you need to know.
I but the thing is that Dana made it clear that it was Gruden who nixed the whole thing. He didn't even mention the GM's name, which makes me again. I think Gruden was behind all of this. I think Gruden was doing everything in Mayak, which is there, who had the GM title. He really that's wasn't. Fair. He had no I mean, voice. I think he had no voice there. I think that's fair. I mean, he's, but again, he's the GM. So what's yeah. the point of being there? Gr- Gruden, I'm sure you saw the video this week. Um, yeah. Would it shock you if he got another opportunity in the NFL? I, I think it. I think it's pretty much impossible, right? He's suing the league. I mean, that's suing all 32 owners. I mean, it's not happening. The thing is that he's such a – He's a he's a different type of head coach where the cameras are always on him. Everyone wants to see Chucky. It's not like he's a one of these head coaches like Sirianni, where it's like whatever it's Sirianni. This is John Gruden. You know what I mean? So like having him back on the sideline would bring too much attention and too I, much I, luggage and everything. It just wouldn't work. I totally agree, and I love how he quantified it by saying, "I go to church. I'm a good person." I think yeah, I did. I did not get that one. I think it was because he was in Arkansas, and there's something to do with it, but. Um, yeah. I was not following there, but a very rare public appearance. And that whole court thing with the NFL is still ongoing. Um, it's a fascinating situation. I won't get into it right now, but I am very curious to know how those emails even got out in the first place. Very bad emails. I just don't know how it got out when it's supposed to be a Washington investigation. So um, that's another thing that I think people will be following very closely this season. Not very closely, but I think people should be keeping an eye on because it's still very much ongoing in court. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I, I love... I love the fact that we're a week away or less than a week away. And, uh, you know, once the football starts, then as, as just as fans, dude, we can, we can lock in and just enjoy it. All this talk about what's going to happen and all these different things, it's finally over in a week. So it's going to officially be on. And then once the season starts, Jordan, it's just a train. It's just a train because yeah. like all these all yeah. these news storylines that goes on. Let's just use John Gruden as an example, which happened last year and it feels like a million years ago. That happened like in week four of Monday Night Football. It was like people already forgot about it by week six because so much goes down throughout the season it just flies by and there's so many things to talk about and it's gonna be a wild ride everyone by the way can follow you on twitter it is at schultz underscore report you have been on top of so many news stories everyone make sure to follow him there follow him on instagram as well at jordan ah, schultz woo! yeah yeah i jordan schultz I, I, I realize that. I realize that. Make sure to follow him on both platforms, and we will be back once again next week, one day before the season officially kicks off a very, very special episode with another very big guest. Until then, see you next week.